When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Open Mind is brought to you in association with Very.co.uk. Working out is my ultimate way to unwind. And whether hitting the gym is your thing or you've just discovered a sport you totally love, Very has everything you need to set you on the right track. Like high-performance training gear from the biggest brands, the latest equipment for the ultimate indoor workout and the best trainers to keep you moving. It's time to live well, sleep well, eat well and spend well at very.co.uk. Welcome back to Open Mind with me, Frankie Bridge. Today I've got Matt Johnson joining me, TV presenter, fellow Mind Ambassador and fellow pug lover, (laughs) which is my favourite thing about you. (laughs) Alan the pug. Alan. I mean, even his name (laughs) just fills me with so much joy. As you know, pugs are remarkable, aren't they? They they can't be called dogs. I don't know what he is. He's not from this planet. No, they're not. They're some sort of... It's a bit like in... um, Is it... Men in Black. Men in Black, yeah. yeah. It's like a little alien thing. Just like a weird little half-blind, weird, <laughs> like l- oversized slug with hair on. <laughs> oh, my God, a slug, A yes. slug, he's a big slug. I always used to say they look a bit like um, seals. You know when they yeah. lay flat on the ground with their mouth flat? And, like They do, and mine got really fat at one point, so he had no neck, so it was just like... Yeah, yeah just or a, a croissant. Or, yeah, croissant, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, we, yeah. we call him our furry prawn. Aww. He's just—he's a delight. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's nice to meet a fellow pug lover because when you know, you know. <laughs> I think it's like that pug nod. It's like when you see another one, you go, "Oh my god, I've got a pug too!" And they're like, "Yes, yes, aren't they amazing?" Yeah, they I don't think you... anyone just has a pug and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's just a dog," or like they're indifferent about it. It's like if you have a pug, you love all pugs. Yes, yes, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I want a fleet of them. <laughs> A fli- that would be a such flock a noisy household. So, imagine the snoring. Yeah. You could power a nuclear power plant from the snoring and their bottoms. And you? and their fur as well. Like, yeah. you could just make a whole other pug, probably, from all of the shedding. <laughs> yeah, they it's shed ridiculous. a lot. This is becoming the pug show. I know, yeah. Should we start one, the pug podcast? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, that's something I can get behind. You know, mental health has been taken care of now, yes, right? I yes, think people are, enough people are talking about it. Let's do a pug podcast on the road. Oh, oh that'd be great. Do you feel like he is like your little friend though? Because yeah. I find like dogs and like animals in general, for people with mental health, they have this kind of like. I don't know, they don't answer you back and they're just like there for you. Well, it's a, a very interesting point because I. I love him unconditionally and he loves me unconditionally and there's this real peace that I have when I'm with him. I'm not on my phone, I'm really present Mm -hmm. and he really makes me happy. I have him on my lap and I kind of like hang out with him and talk to him. I have this level of new responsibility that I never had in my entire life. I only ever cared about myself and what I was doing in my life and uh, when I started looking after Alan Moore from my friend, he was my friend's dog and Mm. then we became best mates. I'd get up in the morning, wanted to feed him and take him out and and then get back from like a night out going, I've got to get back for Alan. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be out for 
four days. <laughs> so it, effectively, it's completely changed my, my really yeah at one hundred percent and given me the the confidence to be a responsible adult. And and I'm not bigging that up and and saying it's a wacky thing, but he really is like my best mate. I feel really present with him. He's given me responsibility, mm. and all he gives me back is unconditional. Incredible love and cuddles and eye bogies. <laughs> mm, yeah, mm. eye bogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you love someone when you don't mind the eye bogies. Oh, but I had them in the mouth the other day. I oh. literally brushed past me and an eye bogie went on, the, oh. on my mouth. And it was disgusting. So that was, that was a bad day. It, was, it wasn't a great morning, no. <laughs> also, it's that excitement they give you when you walk through the door or you come back out in the morning or whatever. They're just like always happy to see you. Yeah. Well, you don't always get that from humans. Well, somebody said that, um, well, obviously it's a fact that God spelt backwards, it's dog. And I see God in dogs because it's unconditional love, pure, unadulterated, just they just want to be present and with you. Mm. When they're hungry, they eat. Uh, when, they, when they have free time, they just sleep. And they're just happy in that present moment. They, they're not sitting around going, oh, God, what, 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 I haven't got enough followers on Instagram. Obviously, they're not on Instagram. Although Some they are. are. Lots Some of them are. actually are. But they, they don't give a damn about it. You know, they're just happy with what they've got and who they're with. And that doesn't matter. They don't judge people. So that's for me. I'm not a religious guy, but I see religion in dogs. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You first spoke out about your mental health in around mm. 2013, yes. was it? Yes. How long had you been suffering for before that? To be honest, the fact that men, the, the word mental health has been in my life a long time. My father has had an issue uh, with it uh, for my entire life. And it's been uh, within the realm of my reality. And uh, looking back in hindsight, um, having depression or... Um, depressive thoughts and just kind of being down or just knowing what I need. I think from a very young age, so I I remember having to be on my own sometimes if it's a busy party in my nan's house and kind of mindfully sketching and drawing and that was my kind of hideaway and that was fine. And then life kind of takes over and you forget what your tools are and then you 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 get thrown into a world where you are trying to be somebody that you're actually not. You're trying to appease maybe society, a girlfriend or whatever or Every single girl you ever meet. All of my decisions are based on what girls like. Okay. I played guitar and they, and they were like, I like that. I was like, oh, I'll do it all the time then. <laughs> and then, then so on and so on. Yeah. Um, but by but, the way, people that are good at guitar, that gets boring anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Can you stop playing? Because I'm trying to watch EastEnders, all right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy at the party that brings out and plays Wonderwall. <laughs> by, you know yeah. what I mean? No, mate. No, no. get out. No, 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 no. Anyway. Uh, but my, uh, my, my, my actual... Um, real com- confrontation with my own mental health was ten years ago. So just just over ten years ago, I had about a three three year um, downward kind of spiral with my mental health. And to be honest, at the time, wasn't too aware of it. Um, I went through a difficult twenties where um, when you're striving to be successful in a certain area, when you come from a working class background where there's not many opportunities, it's really hard. Like so, I was trying to get all the experience in the world in television production mm. based on no contacts, nothing, and just flying from one job to the next. And I did okay and then kept failing, didn't have a degree, didn't you know go to A-levels or anything. 
Um, and I didn't have that backup. And I really wish I did uh, in hindsight. But that my 20s was working in bars, coffee shops, temping in offices, working in um, like the, selling leather furniture for 10 percent off day <laughs> and all the stuff you've got to do. And then working nights in a production company or working in the day and then working in the night in the pub. So it was kind of busy. And then I then I kind of dropped off work and I couldn't kind of get up in the morning and I really couldn't even um, just have the energy to do anything. And I was in a, I was in a struggle. I was in a relationship, a long-term relationship at the time. It started to affect relationships. And I just, I felt incredibly numb and very isolated. And I didn't understand. It, it seemed like I used to call myself lazy mm. and beat myself up about it and say, you know, what, snap out of it. All these these uh, words that add to, add to stigma to, around mental health. I was the worst abuser of myself. And it was nobody around me saying mean things. It was just what I was saying to myself. And that kind of spiraled into a really bad phase where my relationship came to an end. I think naturally anyway, but it just kind of it was a big part of my life then. And I mm. just needed to be out and away or something it was like a almost a midlife crisis i didn't know where i was going what i was doing and in, in interestingly it coincided with me having a good upward spiral in work i started becoming a full-time journalist at idp wales news uh, and i loved it and i i love my job i'm mm. so lucky you know, i was a, a lad from Caffili that went i want to go and work in telly and they were like where and i was like uh, cardiff i don't know <laughs> what what area of television i yeah. don't know i just i saw it at a telethon in 1992 and i went this looks awesome you just this decided new... then and i was that's yeah what I entertainment to do. and I, I remember i was a really shy kid and um i wouldn't say any anything to anybody i'd just draw on my own and I entered myself into a, into a dance competition in, in Butlins. So it was in Butlins, so it was in Temby in West Wales. And I, my parents were like, where's Matt? And they were like, what's he doing on stage? And I'm like, I'm just doing it. And I felt really comfortable doing that. It's so More, weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting. You might feel this with performance. Mm. Um, the, the level of calm that I have when I'm doing something that really scares a lot of people is it really worrying at times because the rest in between the life bit I find difficult, difficult. at mm. times and um, so going back to 2009 I was at ITV Wales News doing really well was presenting on an art show and doing a reporter's job as well so kind of like able to go out and shoot and edit and do all these fun things interview interesting people and all that type of stuff uh, but I just found myself in a really hard place when I would go home I would just be in this apartment that I rented from my friend on my own, thinking this is a great idea, chugging away at alcohol and kind of suppressing any sort of feeling and being the worst person to myself as I possibly can imagine. So the worst things that you could ever say to a human being, I was mm. saying to myself, I was it was brutal, mixed in with a lack of purpose. Even though grand, you had this job Yeah, that totally. Because really so, I, I didn't feel as if I deserved it. Like this kind of small time um, inferiority complex that I had, you know, I always felt that I was sinking in whatever I had, you know, and I was just, I just was convinced that I was just going to ruin it, and and I was just locked away, and it got to the point where th this was over three years mm. and um, maybe just probably all most of my twenties, just going, I don't see a way out of this. I don't see a I can't think of me being 50. I can't imagine, like, ever being safe in my yeah. mind. I can't, I don't want to get out of bed. 
And when people say, what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I just, I just want to not be like this. Mm. And I couldn't see a way out. And of course, when you're drinking a lot and it got to the point where I was just using all my mates going, right, okay, Monday night, yeah, I'll go out with him. And then Tuesday night, oh, they have a few drinks, I'll just go there. And, and did no one notice? Well, I think I, people kind of did now, but not to the extent of what I went through, I think, mm. because they... You're so good at hiding it, though, aren't you? Well, I yeah. Think. Yeah, totally. And it's fun. I was functioning with my mental health. I was managing to put on a mask. And as you know, in this industry, they require you to put on a mask. And it's the easiest thing to do, especially TV hosting, for half an hour live or if it's throughout the day, you can just hide it behind a desk, then go out and be this sunshiny character and then go behind an editing suite and just hide in the dark and then come out whenever you need to. And it's it's very easy to have to parallel two different lives going on, mm. which is very dangerous at the same time. And and that led me to a point in 2009 where I honestly went to Spain. My parents had a little flat in the Costa del Sol. That was our family kind of place for years. It was my granddad's. And um, and then we would go there. I thought, I'm going to go to Spain and I'm going to eat good food and I'm going to run across the beach, and I'm going to try and get healthy. On your own? On my own. I just thought, this is going to be a great thing. It, and I, I got like a flight for like 28 quid, and I was like, I'm off. I'm just going to, this is going to be great. And then good intentions turned into bad feelings, and I went out and celebrated when I got there. Um, got absolutely ruined, and uh, just didn't have the best time. And then I got straight in into this slump, even worse than before, because this didn't work. My plan didn't work. And I sat there, I remember it really vividly. It was the wettest December, I think, in Typical, history. yeah. Um, and it was the coldest time in Spain ever. The sky didn't work, so there was no TV or anything. And then I was sat there with a heater on, just on my mobile phone. It was when I used to have a BlackBerry just on the internet going, this is rubbish. I should have gone home. So I just decided that I was just going to self-medicate and I, I was drinking two bottles of whiskey a day and and oh. it got to a, got to a place where I, I took too many tablets at one point and woke up the next morning with sick everywhere feeling horrific and you'd done that on purpose to yeah. Try and, yeah and and then on the 23rd of December 2009 I took myself onto onto the balcony and I and I, and I um, not this is like an instruction manual of what to do um, this is my reality. I was there, and I and I was like, "This is I gotta stop this in some sort of way. I can't be in this tortured state." It's almost like you just want to quiet your mind, yeah. isn't it? Like there's no, there was no like, there's way, no other way to stop it. Yeah, and and that was what really scared. I felt really alone, really isolated, but completely aware that I had a loving family and and friends. What do you think stopped you then? I th- well, and I and I I stick by this because I. I still feel it, and it's 10 years ago now, so I'm feeling it even more at the moment. I'm really in touch with who I am and my emotions at the moment, so I I can smell the smells there. Mm. I'm really sitting in it and, and facing it this year. And it was the control. I was in control for the first time. I lost control completely over myself. I pushed everybody away. It was just on this little this raft going down this white water river, and I was heading towards something disastrous but I the only moment I took control in probably five years was the moment when I thought I was going to take my own life and having that 
in like like an endorphin rush, like a almost like like a, like when you get anxiety, I suppose. Like if you feel as if you've fallen off the back of your chair, mm. and you got that rush, like that like gasp type thing. It was like that reality, and and in that moment, that made me think another way. That's I just didn't do it. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, I just didn't. It wasn't like a breeze went past and my grandmother <laughs> whispered. You know, it was like yeah. all of a sudden, like yeah, I was so present. And I hadn't been present for a long time. But it is that sense of control, though, isn't it, sometimes? Because I think you feel so out of control. Like, I've realised right in my book, a lot of my stuff comes down to that feeling of not being in control or feeling in control. Mm -hmm. And it is because you can't control your mind when you have depression and anxiety. It just does whatever it wants. Yes. If it makes your body tired, if it makes you, you just can't. So I think sometimes you do fight for that feeling of yeah because we oh. can't control anything else no and I, I couldn't get my head around that either so everything was obviously spiraling around mm. me the universe is what it is yeah and jobs come and go people come and go from your life and all these things and you can't control everything but I don't think you realise that until you get older yeah when course. you're younger yeah, you have that thing don't you where you're like this is what my life is going to be yes. like and if that doesn't work I'll just make this happen and, da -da -da -da. Yeah. and as you get older you're like okay yeah no that's not yeah. how life it's works an, I've mentioned God a few times so I'm going to mention him again is the, I know, the best you way you're not I know I know but can, um, if you want to make God laugh tell him your plans because he'll just go, nah, mate, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it does not work like that. Just say, if you, if, if I always used to go from A to B, and, and luckily I, everything worked. Mm. And then when you go wrong, disaster, because I was afraid of failure. I was a perfectionist. I, I wasn't aware of the present moment or the, the process is the most powerful. Do you think that's part. because of the background you came from that wasn't necessarily the, the life maybe that your family or friends were were choosing to do so you yeah. made this big gesture of I'm going to go and be on TV pressure and then yeah yeah and you're like oh it's not working it's not working yeah I, I the, the amount of times I've hid from my old schoolmates when I was working in Coffee Mania because I felt embarrassed because I set off when I was 16 to become mm. a whatever it was TV producer and, and pop star whatever it was I set out and and at times didn't always go as right or maybe it went really right um i was in a tv show and we went on like support tour with like girls allowed and blue and stuff like that when i was 19 and then when i was 21 coffee mania mm. and then my mates are all kind of like trainee teachers and i would but do you think that's because they've seen you do it because i i yeah. often feel that like i know my friends don't judge me at all when they don't Nobody care cares. what I do yeah. yeah but in my head I'm like but I'm this successful girl from Essex it's, it's a reflection a of what you star. think of other people yeah. doing it and yeah. I felt bad about that because mm. that, that makes me think God if I saw somebody that was in blue mm. in a car wash I'd think oh bless him mm. and I'd be you know slightly judgmental of that you know that makes me think oh God I'm a bad person so getting rid of my feelings of judgment was incredibly important to me and you're absolutely right the society that I came from and the, the, the mentality of that working class attitude is how I felt. This is how I felt it was, uh, that you go to school, you get A-levels. If you're lucky, you'll get a degree, but not important. But then you get a job forever, and you don't have to enjoy your job. You shouldn't actually really enjoy your job. You should just kind of, like, just have kids and be happy and have everything worked out by the time you're 30. Mm. And then when you realise that you've chosen a different path, which is really more difficult than that, and then you realise that the path that you've chosen is full of ups and downs. Uh, and it's a really difficult, but f mo the most glorious option because it's your true path. Mm. You don't realise when you start in it you go, that you're going to have to 
come down the ladder because when it goes right, you're like, this is going to be it forever because that's how I've been brought up, like that's forever now. Yeah. And then you go, oh, I'm, I'm in coffee mania and then I'm a failure. Mm. And it's just changing my perception of what failure is. And I've only done that in the last few years. This episode of Open Mind is brought to you in association with very.co.uk. Life can be super busy and fitting in exercise can be pretty tough. But with just a few simple changes, you can feel amazing in no time, especially when Very has everything you need for whatever sport or workout routine you're into. From a Fitbit to stay on track of your fitness goals and support bras for high intensity hit sessions to nutrition to keep you fueled. It's time to live well, sleep well, eat well and spend well at very.co.uk. Do you think you felt that way with your relationships as well? Because you mentioned yes. by 30 you should have kids and be married. 100%. Whatever. Yeah, when I when I um when I broke up with my girlfriend when I was 27, we had been together for nearly 7 years and we were living together. And I felt a failure in that because I wasn't contributing a lot. I was in this space, had this job, and then then everything went went to shit. Mm. And and I felt a huge amount of failure because of my perfection syndrome. And the perfection syndrome is kind of thrown around a lot. It's just this unquenchable thirst for everything to be perfect. I'm and exactly it, the same. And if it's not perfect, I'm not interested. It can be like I always say, it's like my biggest weakness, but also probably what has helped me get to where I am today. Yes. So it can be great, oh, yes, yes, but yes. also it the can pursuit. be your biggest yeah. downfall as well. Learning mm. that the pursuit is the perfection, mm. not the goal. Uh, all my favourite singers and artists are all A-star singers. Not anyone I liked when I grew up had a raspy voice that, you know, like the the, the, any, the clash or anything. It has to it had to be like quality yeah you know and that and i remember that like vulnerability and and these cracks and my favorite christmas special on netflix is the bill murray murray have a murray christmas and it's all about misfits it's all about people not singing at their best and that's fine mm. and, I, and when i when i was 27 i wish i knew that because i would want to do stuff I and mean, if i couldn't do it to the best ability even recently a year and a half ago why didn't I just do podcasts a long time ago? You know, I, you know, and I stepped into the world of podcasts. I went, oh, this is great. Mm. This is fine. But I was like already thinking, right, I've got to do this podcast. I better film it. But if I'm going to film it, the production value's got to be great. I've got to get a really good production company. I've got to get so all the be- the guests have got to be incredible. And as you know, all the best aren't incredible. Yeah, so you got me today. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I couldn't get the best. Today. You couldn't get the best today. <laughs> you? Yeah, Gethin Jones wasn't available, was it? <laughs> oh, oh, I love Gethin. <laughs> oh yeah, sure you do. Um, he's nice. Uh, it's one of those feelings that you go, "I'm so liberated because life isn't perfect," and that is absolutely mm. wonderful. And yeah, the fear of failure, the sense of failure I had from a relationship failing and myself failing, feeling like I just couldn't go on and do all that type of stuff was just, it was almost too much for me to bear. But since then, it's, it's been a, an incredible process. And, a, and I, I hate saying it, a journey. A journey. It's been, it's a, journey. been a journey. It's been a bloody journey. <laughs> it has been. It's been one of those, it's been a, it's been a heck of a 10 years. Mm. I can't really, it's difficult to explain. For like someone like me who has chemical depression, mm. I have spent my life like, oh, when I get that number one or yeah. when I get my kids that I've always wanted or my husband or when I get that big house or that 
magazine cover, whatever, mm -hmm. then I'll then have like happy. ticked all my boxes. And I've ticked most of my yes. boxes. I still have depression. Yeah, like, <laughs> of course. Not a lot you could do about it. So it's like you have to find your yeah, thing. Yeah. And that could just be having a dog or going if, for walks. Or if whatever. you haven't got a purpose, your mm. purpose is to find your purpose. And that's the joy of life. And usually if you talk to elders and people that you trust that have been through it and are wise, it's always usually right in front of you. Mm. It's always in front of us. You can't take stuff with you. And, you know, I'm a bit, I'm not, I'm not saying don't have these things. I mean, like. Oh, yeah, we all just, like nice things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And when you have it, I, I used to get, I got myself into a huge amount of debt trying to kind of just keep a lifestyle together. Now, even to three years ago, I nearly went bankrupt. I was living on my own in Chiswick, paying a fortune in rent just to live on my own, to go, I've got my own place. I'm mm. TV presenter doing well, you know. I wasn't doing well. Work was kind of drying up after I talked about my mental health. And then it kind of just didn't happen for me. And do you feel like that was because you spoke about your mental health? No, I, I think it was just more of a life purpose thing. I started to make better choices mm. and then it dried up. <laughs> when I realised that being the number one TV presenter in the world isn't what well, actually what is my purpose you start not competing for things you start having people around you that really want it and are really good at it and then you start going oh I, i'm not up for that then when you're down to two people for one job and you've got, haven't got that fight it's, it's time for you to step back for a bit mm. and I, I think what came into my life then was this i had to really sort my stuff out it's, it's, that was three years ago and i and i since since then like financially emotionally spiritually in every sort of way, I had to really regroup, regroup because I was like, in 2013, talked about it, didn't deal with it, kind of masked it with stuff, you know, but I got, got a, 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 whatever they call convertible car, lived on my own, <laughs> everything on Instagram looked great. I was going to be there every five minutes and I wasn't happy because mm. I hadn't dealt with my stuff. And then when things started to tumble down, because I wasn't happy and it wasn't my purpose and it wasn't making me happy. Because in 2010, after my de bad depression, like I really wanted a way out. I really wanted to go and do well in work. I had a purpose. I run a marathon. I learned to drive really quickly. And, and I went to London and I got there and I got this morning like that. And it was all working. It's because that's what I wanted. I knew it. And then when that falls away, it opened up massive mm. holes in my life which I had to fill with actual true purpose and meaning. Did you ever go to therapy or GP or anything or not? Um, I didn't go. I went to the GP once in 2016 because it was when I didn't have any work lined up for the year. I had a, um, a huge debt to pay and I couldn't pay it and I nearly went bankrupt for it. And, uh, and I was panicking. Broke up with my girlfriend at the time. It wasn't a great moment. So I was like, based on my previous mm. behavior, I'm going to go and see the GP and see if there's anything I can do. And that was my experience of how bad our services are. The poor guy, I, he was like, what do you mean? We only have four minutes left. <laughs> on, on a scale of one to ten, how depressed are you? I'm like, mate, I'm so sorry. This is shit, isn't it? He's like, yeah, it's not great. Have some tablets. And I was like, thanks, but I'm not going to take them. He went, oh, please go and see the counselor. Call them up. And I was like, okay, they'll send you a letter you go reply to the letter and, and I was away um, working and I missed the time. It was like a week. You got to, had to call within a week, missed the time, had to go back to the GP. And then it was like an eight to 12 week waiting list. I'm like, 
oh, right, okay, I could have done a lot of bad stuff to myself in yeah. that time. Yeah. So I feel, I see, I, I saw it from my, fir- from, from my perspective how bad the services are. Mm. So that was the only time I really went to a GP. Um, my therapy has been coaches. So I haven't had a psychiatrist help me. I, I've been very lucky to work in this world now for a, for a few years. And I've had coaches. I've met a few. I've been on retreats. Um, and I've sought out alternative therapies. So exercise, exercise in my mind uh, by reading. Uh, my, my passion, my purpose has opened up. So I've got something to do all the time. Like even just having this conversation, I find therapeutic. And I'm very lucky to be able to have these conversations mm. with good people. You know, and, and this is what I live for. Like even after after the Mind Media Awards, like me, you and your husband, Wayne, like we had a great laugh. Yeah. We were present. We were having a conversation. It's probably why I'm on the show now because mm-hmm. we actually connected. Yeah. And I live for that connection. I think that's what I'd missed 10 years ago. Just pushed everybody away. But for me, it's all, it's all about alternative therapies. Okay. And yeah. what's your, what have you found then that your purpose is? Um, is my, my purpose is to use the gifts and the skills that I've acquired over 20 years in television. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a decent broadcaster. I'm not the best. I'm a bumbling Welshman most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I just, I care deeply about the mental health and well-being of everyone. Um, so I have some tiny platform. I want to facilitate um, conversations. I want to draw people to the world of self-care and wellness. Uh, I want to facilitate people that are actually experts in the field. So I don't want to go around going, this is my theory. Yeah. Like Bikram yoga. I've recreated yoga for you. <laughs> like I, um, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't feel as if I am ready for that. I don't feel as if I could give a self-help guidebook, but I could have a show where I can dish people out to the right people. Yeah. You know, I can use my skills. So it's brought back my, my TV hosting uh, capabilities and what I'd like to do. I'm like, oh, I, I would fight for that job now. Yeah, I would go into that world and, and try and do it on my own terms. I don't think I'd want to do some of the stuff that I thought would make me happy, you know, hosting the X Factor and all that type of stuff. Mm. I wouldn't say no to the opportunity for the greater platform to use then to guide people and help people find a way of helping themselves. I, I, and my purpose is ongoing. And, and what I love about that is that I, I'm okay, I'm going to be malleable and let it kind of run its course. I need to um, earn money for me to keep bettering and, and helping myself to help other people. I have this wonderful idea in the future that I'm going to have um, in Wales, um, kind of what like, I suppose a YMCA would have been. And they've all gone from my areas. Mm. All the boxing gyms have gone in my areas. I want to go back and I'll have like little centers where people can go and do CrossFit. And then next in the next hour is yoga, meditation, there's classes, there's a back room where you can go and learn how to do music tech or something like a modern place for people to hang out. And just instead of it just being like, go and kick a football around, you know, I think football clubs can do that brilliantly. Mm. I want to create hubs for communities to actually have a sense of purpose and belonging and like some, and know that they have role models there to look after them. I was really lucky I had that with a rugby club and a boxing club in my 20s. And they are going. So mm. I would like to do that. I'd like to have 
um, facilities where people can go on retreats. And uh, my um, co-presenter on my podcast, The Naked Professor, um, he's an incredible guy. He's he's going to be a guru. He's probably one now. I think mm-hmm. like he could, I, he could go if I had a house somewhere in in a, in a forest. <laughs> this is imaginary. Okay. This is my brain. If I had like <laughs> in, you know a big big house with grounds, I'd stick up twelve teepees and I'd have him. I'd let him have it whenever he wanted to do his retreat because I you know people would be helped. You know, and that's what does that's he do on retreat, his retreats? He's amazing. So he, did, he did his first one in Ibiza, and it's it's like it's talking. It's lots of yoga and guide and stuff. I don't actually know the ins and outs because I don't think you're allowed to know because yeah. you shouldn't expect uh, anything when you get there. The retreat that I really got something massive from was the Men Without Masks retreat, just for men. Um, Fifteen guys, um, always in a circle talking. That's where I learned how to check in properly without judgment because nobody's nobody can like jump in after you say like I'm feeling crap they don't go oh maybe you should do this just that's it it's just they fill the space it was amazing um and we got back to tri- tribal roots it was like a, a day where I went I we had a club and I beat the crap out of this pad on the floor and, and it was a release of this warrior energy and he was the reconnecting with this this very authentic powerful man that I am and then it was another day where he was more of a softer energy and being it's okay to be both and, mm. and all that type of stuff and he's really life changing my dad went on it oh really Gary went on it I told you earlier that Gary's had a few Gary. issues with his mental health yeah. yeah I might call it my dog Gary one day as yeah. well Gary Allen Barry yeah Tony <laughs> <laughs> um, I have trouble with the the kind of ownership of it but like is in my world. I've introduced him to that world. That's what I want to do on mass, mm. really. Just like you know, help people like Gary, and go go on that retreat. That will help you. And then them go, yeah, that helped me. Now I'm going to go and help everybody else. And then hopefully that would spread. And why do you think men seem to find it harder to? Well, for many reasons. Talking on behalf of men, I suppose, the stigma attached to it, like you say, you're afraid of judgment. Uh, and men are supposed to have no cracks. Everything's supposed to be perfect. And men, I find at the moment, are struggling with the massive changes in the world, you know, and incredible changes, you know, with with the way the world is for women. It's becoming, you know, increasingly more and more impressive to to look at, on of what women are doing. Everything's celebrated, like wonderful. And I think some men feel as if they're being left behind. Like, what about us? Well, we're we're magnificent too. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, nobody's saying you're not. It's just you know, women didn't have an opportunity for jobs, mm. and 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 now they do, and it's becoming equal. And and I think I think some men struggle with that. They struggle with the fact that um, they feel like they should be the breadwinner. And then they're not, and then they feel emasculated, and mm. and they feel as if fingers have been pointed at them for being bad because of generations of terrible men behaviour. And and in reality, it's just everybody's trying to all work it out right now. We're all trying to work out um, who we are and what and what we are, you know. And and and, and that goes for everybody and every race and and every sort of sexuality. I think everybody's just trying to work it all out. And I think men struggle with that because. I think notoriously women are better at communicating, better at understanding their emotions, whereas men have been told to just get on with it, mm. you know. And the fear of, uh, I've got a friend, I, I, I said I was going to go to therapy after the gym. He leapt across the gym and was like, whoa, don't say that. Are you okay? Are you, are you, are you struggling? I was like, no, I'm not struggling. I'm just going to have hypnotherapy. Mm. 
It's like, yeah, I know, but you don't want people to know. And really? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And that's just the way, that's the stigma. Mm. You know, people, he doesn't, he was protecting me, he thought. Mm. He didn't want people to think that I was struggling because if you're struggling, that's a vulnerability and vulnerability is a weakness. And I think that is a huge thing. When you learn that being vulnerable is the best thing in the entire world, because when you see somebody for who they are, when you see their cracks, when you see a singer Go for that note and break. It's not a bad thing. It's because it's authentic and it's real and you just laugh it off. You get on with it. I think that is truly the, the biggest thing that will happen in, in the mental health of men is realising that the pressure's off. It's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. You can just be honest with your mate. You can ask your mates how they are. You can talk about deep stuff. You don't just have to talk about sports and, and, and swig, swig it down with beer and suppress whatever feelings you have. And then maybe have a tiny conversation at the end of the night. Oh, I'm feeling rubbish. Bye-bye. Yeah, and then you tomorrow know? you can be like, oh, yeah, I don't remember it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everything's so fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, and the pressures that that entails. You have men in you know, working class areas. You know, obviously there's a correlation between lack of industry, lack of jobs, high cost of travel to go and get a job. And then you have a problem with purpose and a sense of achievement, self-worth. All of it adds up to um, bad mental health. And then when if you can't feel as if you can share that because of the vulnerability, then you struggle. And then that, that leads to huge, huge issues. And it, uh, a, a young man um, passed away, took his own life in um, Kefili recently. And the entire town came and, and came together for a charity fundraiser. And it really rocked the town. And it's happening in every single county in Wales at the moment, young men um, who are just going, what is there for me here? What is there for me out of there? I've been led to believe that you're not allowed nice things. If you move to Cardiff, you're fancy. I did that. Mm. It was 20 minutes up the road. If you do that, you're fancy. If I'm stuck here, what am I going to do? And then you get stuck in it. And, 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 you know, and it's not good enough just being anymore. You've got to live a life of whatever luxury there is. And if you haven't got a job to go to or if the job doesn't pay enough, you're, you're, all, you're, you're a disappointment. Mm. And that's the society we live in at the moment. I think there's a lot of pressure on that. For, for all sexes, there's a, lot, there's a lot of pressure on that. But mix that in with that ego that men have, it's troublesome. Yeah. Ego is a huge factor. Yeah. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. <laughs> but it's true, right? Yeah. It's so, you know, yeah, this yeah, industry, ego, and if you base your, your purpose on ego, you're going to fall. You know, yeah. you can't choose stuff to um, just to satisfy your ego or somebody else's. It's just going to be a terrible situation if you do that. So what would your advice be then to someone that's feeling isolated mm. or like they don't know their purpose or... Um, take that weight off your shoulders and it's okay not to know. You know, uh, the the process of working out your purpose is actually quite a fun one when you realise that if I could say to myself 10 years ago that it would be the best thing, pick up the guitar. You're not, you, you haven't played it for a while. You want to be really good, but you can't be bothered to do the middle bit. Do the middle bit. Because 10 years later, when you're 37, like I am now, really wish I did the guitar all the time because mm. you'd be brilliant. I'd be playing it all the time now everywhere. And it's never too too late to start finding who you are. Check in with yourself. Don't be afraid to, to talk to somebody about it because your mates will happily listen to you because they're your mates. And if they don't, they're not your mates. Um, I'd like to say that there's huge amount of pressures on men and women these days to live a life that they think they want. Make sure you want it before you really stress yourself out about 
having it because you know before you have major issues with mental health issues you're going to struggle if you're if you're striving for something you don't necessarily want because maybe when you get there it's not going to make you happy and that's 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 a difficult thing so i would suggest just say take the load off and just relax and it's very easily said mm. but like the the pressure that people put themselves on these days is is incredible you know finding your purpose takes a while and finding the right person for you takes a while you know you can't have everything straight away just don't worry about it be patient be patient and you are not perfect so just don't worry about it you're not perfect nobody is perfect Okay. Thank you. I'm glad okay. you came on. Are you glad? Yeah, so glad. Oh, good. Uh, but I next time, if I hours. see you and you haven't got Alan, the, I know I, I should have. I really friendship will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're friends. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. Oh, amazing. No, I will bring Alan. But thank you very much for having me on. Thank I, I love what you're doing. Thanks. This episode of Open Mind the podcast was sponsored by Very.co.uk. 